Welcome to the evening episode of Honey in the Rock. We hope you've had a great day and we've got a great show ahead for you. Stick with us. This evening's episode is titled Marriage and Divorce. It'll be focused on the study of Deuteronomy chapter 24 and 25. Before we go any further, we'll begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, it's amazing to study your word and go back to the beginning and see how you originally intended for us to be and to see how men entering into your permissive will sinned and fell short of the glory of God. Father, help us find the way back to that original creation that you intended for us to be, which is the bridge of the blood of Jesus Christ that bridges the gap between a holy and eternal God who is sinless and a sinful mortal man. Father, be merciful to us this morning, this evening. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Deuteronomy chapter 24 and 25. Chapter 24 When a man hath taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes, because he hath found some uncleanness in her, then let him write her a bill of divorcement, and give it in her hand, and send her out of his house. And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. And if the latter husband hate her, and write her a bill of divorcement, and giveth it in her hand, and sendeth her out of his house, or if the latter husband die, which took her to be his wife, her former husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife. After that she is defiled. For that is abomination before the Lord. And thou shalt not cause the land to sin, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. When a man hath taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war, neither shall he be charged with any business, but he shall be free at home one year, and shall cheer up his wife which he hath taken. No man shall take the nether or the upper millstone to pledge, for he taketh a man's life to pledge. If a man be found stealing any of his brethren of the children of Israel, and maketh merchandise of him, or selleth him, then that thief shall die, and thou shalt put evil away from among you. Take heed in the plague of leprosy, that thou observe diligently, and do according to all that the priests, the Levites, shall teach you, as I commanded them, so ye shall observe to do. Remember what the Lord thy God did unto Miriam by the way, after that ye were come forth out of Egypt. When thou dost lend thy brother anything, thou shalt not go into his house to fetch his pledge. Thou shalt stand abroad, and the man to whom thou dost lend shall bring out the pledge abroad unto thee. And if the man be poor, thou shalt not sleep with his pledge. In any case, thou shalt deliver him the pledge again when the sun goeth down, that he may sleep in his own raiment, and bless thee. And it shall be righteousness unto thee before the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not oppress an hired servant that is poor and needy, whether he be of thy brethren, or of thy strangers that are in thy land within thy gates. At his day thou shalt give him his hire, neither shall the sun go down upon it, for he is poor, and setteth his heart upon it, lest he cry against thee unto the Lord, and it be sin unto thee. 
the fathers shall not be put to death for the children, neither shall the children be put to death for the fathers. Every man shall be put to death for his own sin. Thou shalt not pervert the judgment of the stranger, nor of the fatherless, nor take a widow's raiment to pledge. But thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in Egypt, and the Lord thy God redeemed thee thence. Therefore I command thee to do this thing. When thou cuttest down thine harvest in thy field, and hast forgot a sheaf in the field, thou shalt not go again to fetch it. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hands. When thou beatest thine olive tree, thou shalt not go over the boughs again. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow. When thou gatherest the grapes of thy vineyard, Thou shalt not glean it afterward. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow. And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt. Therefore I command thee to do this thing. Chapter 25 If there be a controversy between men, and they come unto judgment, that the judges may judge them, then they shall justify the righteous and condemn the wicked. And it shall be, if the wicked man be worthy to be beaten, that the judge shall cause him to lie down and to be beaten before his face according to his fault by a certain number. Forty stripes he may give him, and not exceed. Lest, if he should exceed and beat him above these with many stripes, then thy brother should seem vile unto thee. Thou shalt not muzzle the ox when he treadeth out the corn. If brethren dwell together, and one of them die, and have no child, the wife of the dead shall not marry without unto a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go in unto her, and take her to him to wife, and perform the duty of an husband's brother unto her. And it shall be that the firstborn which she beareth shall succeed in the name of his brother which is dead, that his name be not put out of Israel. And if the man like not to take his brother's wife, then let his brother's wife go up to the gate unto the elders, and say, my husband's brother refuseth to raise up unto his brother a name in Israel. He will not perform the duty of my husband's brother. Then the elders of his city shall call him and speak unto him. And if he stand to it and say, I like not to take her, then shall his brother's wife come unto him in the presence of the elders and lose his shoe from off his foot and spit in his face and shall answer and say, so shall it be done unto that man that will not build up his brother's house. And his name shall be called in Israel, the house of him that hath his shoe loosed. When men strive together, one with another, and the wife of the one draweth near for to deliver her husband out of the hand of him that smiteth him, and putteth forth her hand, and taketh him by the secrets, then thou shalt cut off her hand, thine eye shall not pity her. Thou shalt not have in thy bag diverse weights, a great and a small. Thou shalt not have in thine house diverse measures, a great and a small. But thou shalt have a perfect and just weight, a perfect and just measure shalt thou have. That thy days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. For all that do such things and all that do unrighteously are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. Remember what Amalek did unto thee by the way, when ye were come forth out of Egypt, how he met thee by the way, and smote the hindmost of thee, even all that were feeble behind thee, when thou wast faint and weary, and he feared not God. Therefore it shall be, 
when the Lord thy God hath given thee rest from all thine enemies round about, in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it, that thou shalt blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Thou shalt not forget it. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled, Marriage and Divorce. This was preached in 1965 on February the 21st in the morning. We'll begin at paragraph 66 up to paragraph 205. I trust you'll find it to be a blessing. Now, if that be so, we have two schools of thought on marriage and divorce. And that is, one of them says that a man can only be married once unless his wife is dead. That's one of the questions. But you go to following that, you go overboard. And then the next says, oh, if the wife or the husband, either one has committed adultery, either one of them can be put away and married again. You find yourself overboard with that. So, see, it's neither southeast or northeast. We want directly east. You run out of Scripture when you go this way. You run out of Scripture when you go that way. We want to know where Scripture meets Scripture and know what's the truth of it. Each takes a different way and fail to bring up the correct answer, but there still must be an answer. It's just like today. There's two great schools of doctrine in the church. One of them is Calvinism. The other is Armenianism. One of them is legalist. The other one's grace. And we come to find out that the people who believe in grace, the Calvinists, they say, bless God, it don't hurt me to smoke. It don't hurt me to drink. I can do these things. I've got eternal security. Then we find the other side on the legal. said, Oh, I would like to ball him out. I'd like to show him a piece of my mind. But I'm a Christian. I have to keep still. See, you find yourself on two different roads. And neither one of them is right. Now, that's hard to say that. But it is the truth. We find ourselves on two different roads. One going one way, one another. Now, let's see what truth is. Now listen and see if this sounds sensible to you. For instance, if I get ready to go overseas, I'll take my own family. I'll call my wife up to me and I will say, uh, we're go I'm going overseas, dear. Now here is the legalist side. Now my wife, I'm going to lay the law down to you. If you flirt with any man while I'm gone, when I come back, you're a divorced woman. And I don't want you making eyes. don't want you flirting. You understand that? I'm your husband. If you do it, I'm going to put you away when I come back. Then she reaches and gets me by the tie and say, My good man, I want to tell you something. That if you make eyes at any woman or take any woman out or flirt with any woman, you're going to be a divorced man when you come back. Now, wouldn't that be a happy home? That's the legalist. All right. Now the other side is that if I go overseas and I 
uh, make a mistake, go over and say, well, now, look, I'll take this woman out. Oh, it's all right with my wife. She don't care. My wife said, I'll go out with this man. It's all right, Bill. He don't care. If I don't care, then there's something wrong with me. I don't love that woman right. And if she don't care, there's something wrong with her. She's my wife. I don't want other man fooling with her. She's my wife. Now, the correct way of it is, is both of them's got a truth, but not the exact truth. Now, when I go overseas to make it right, my little family gathers around and we pray with one another. And I commit them to God and they commit me to God. And when we do, we go overseas. I go overseas. Now, I know she loves me. I have confidence in her. And I love her. She's got confidence in me. As long as I love her like that, she don't have any worry about me taking any other woman out. As long as she loves me right, well, there's no me, me thinking about any other man going out with her. Because she's my wife. And I believe her. I believe if I would actually do something wrong, make a mistake, and go out with some woman, and return back and would confess it to her and tell her, Meaty, I didn't mean to do that. I just got caught in a trap. This woman just run right up to me and, and, and uh, grabbed me by the arm and started so-and-so. I believe she'd be understanding. I believe she would forgive me for it. But I wouldn't do it for nothing. Because I love her. Though she would forgive me, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't hurt her for nothing. Though I know she'd forgive me for it, I don't want to hurt her. And that's the way it is with God. If, I, if a filial love, which is human love, fellowship love, can make a man feel that about his wife, what about agapo love, the Greek word meaning the love of God, how would that make me do about Jesus Christ? Amen. I, if long as I want to go do it, it's in my heart to do it. Whether I say as long as it's in my heart to do it, I, I go do it. Legalism won't let me do it. It's because I know that I get punished for doing it. But the real truth of it is, it's when the love of God comes into your heart to you want to do it. That's the truth of it. There's the two schools. Not legalism or other. Or the Calvinism. It's both. Now, we find out today, also there's many different denominations. There's the Catholic Church, the Protestant Church, each one of them says they're the way. See, we have the way. We're the truth. There's the Methodist says we have the truth. The Baptist says we have the truth. Well, to me, as long as they feel that way, it's not so. Because Jesus said, I am the truth. See? Therefore, as my sermon last night was, that he is the place where God put his name, the only place to worship. You are not a Christian because you're a Protestant. You're not a Christian because you're a Catholic. You're not a Christian because you're Methodist, Baptist, or Pentecostal. You are a Christian because you've been baptized into Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. Not by water. There's one faith, one Lord, one baptism. That's Holy Spirit baptism. Water baptism inducts you into a fellowship, but Holy Spirit baptism inducts you into Christ. There's the truth. We have also two thoughts of this marriage and divorce. Now that our Lord has opened the seven-seal mystery of His Word to us in this last days. Now, many of you, this might be Greek to you, but my church understands. Well, what? Well, you've served the visions and what's taking place. 
And the question is a Bible question. We are invited here to believe there must be a true answer to the whole hidden secret that's been hid since the foundation of the world. And the Bible prophesies and says that in this day these secrets would be made known. Revelations 10, and at the sounding of the seventh angel, the lady will see a messenger. The mysteries of God would be made known. And this is the last age, which is Laodicea. Look at all this revival has went on for 15 years or more. Not one denomination come out of it. Luther had a revival. There went a denomination. Wesley, there went a denomination. Alexander Campbell, there went a denomination. All these other great John Smith and so forth denominations. Moody, all along. But here's been one, usually a revival only lasts about three years. But this has been going for over 15 years and not one denomination has sprung up from it. For this is a seed time. There's no more shuck. After the one shuck's gone, it's seed. God is ready. If he isn't doing it now, he's going to call a church to perfection by his word, Jesus Christ. Notice. There must be an answer somewhere. And being that the seven-sealed mystery of God, seven seals. How many understands that? Raise up your hands. You see, I think most of them is our congregation from around. Listen, if not, the books will be out pretty soon upon the subject. We have books, some books on it now. Jesus, in our text, invites us to go back to the beginning for the true scriptural answer. Now, when he was confronted with this, there was two things in view. The priest said to him, Can a man put away his wife, marry another for any cause? And Jesus said, It wasn't so from the beginning. Then they said, Moses suffered us a writing of divorcement and to put away for anything they wanted to. He said, that Moses did that because, let that straight a while, because of the hardness of your hearts. But from or at the beginning, it wasn't so. The question, the question today, like of world peace, is it coming by politics, union? Of nations united? I say to you, nay. It's always failed and it will again. But there remains a true answer to the question. Will there be peace upon the earth? Yes. When sin is ridden off of the earth, there will be peace. But until that time, there will be no peace. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. God gave a remedy for sin. Listen close now. God gave the remedy to rid sin off the earth. But man of the earth won't accept God's remedy. God gave us a remedy and a way to marry our wives and live with them. But man won't accept God's remedy. Won't accept his word on it. 
Jesus has said this, and this reminds us of, of his words, knowing that he said, heavens and earth will fail, pass away, but mine won't. The question, the true answer that Jesus wants us to go back to is to go back to the beginning. And that would be in Genesis. Because the word Genesis is the seed chapter to every question in the Bible. And you always have to go back to the seed to see what kind of seeds in a field to find out what your crops will be. Now, what kind of seed is sown? Genesis being the seed chapter, we go back to Genesis. Jesus introduced us to that scripture at the beginning. Now remember, that's when time started to begin. Before that, it was eternity. Now our question there was, notice, if we go back to the beginning, now don't pale this, and that's the reason I want to talk slow, so that the people out on the wires, and that the tape will say it clearly, if Jesus said, go back to the beginning, there was only one pair of anything on earth. There was one Adam, one Eve. They were joined by God alone. One female horse, one male. One female parrot, one male. At the beginning, as he told us to go back, there was only one pair of anything. Is that true? Then we find out that everything in the beginning was running in perfect order and harmony with God. Nothing was out of cater. Everything in the heavens still in order. All the stars, the galaxies, the solar system, everything is perfectly in order. One of them move would interrupt the whole program. Now, listen, do you see one interruption spoils the entire program? Now, when human beings was running in continuity with God, with one man and one woman, this woman sinned, and it drove the whole earthly program out of continuity with God. Therefore, one word added to this book, or one word taken from it, throws a Christian out of continuity with God, throws a church out of continuity with God, throws a family out of continuity with God. Every believer can be thrown out by not accepting every word of God. Then it was the woman that caused the separation of the lovely home. It was not a cherubim that bothered the earth. It was not Adam that drove the home out. It was not anything else that drove the home out and drove the whole thing out of continuity, but a woman 
Eve. And it is here that the beginning that Jesus spoke of was broken. Jesus said, at the beginning, God made one male, one female of each kind. And now, when this woman, not the female horse, not the female dog, but the woman, she broke the entire continuity of God's operation on the earth and throwed everything into death. The woman, not the man, she broke the covenant. She broke the covenant because why? She stepped across the borders of God's Word. Now, if she broke her covenant with her husband, she broke her covenant with God. Then because she broke the covenant of God, she broke it with her husband. And when you break your promise and your covenant to God's Word, that's what caused so many illegitimate church members. Because a group of men got together and said, well, it didn't mean that. And it throws the whole organization out of continuity with the Word. Uh, we don't believe that Dr. Jones said it wasn't so. But as long as God said it so, he said, let every man's word be a lie and mine be the truth. Amen. There breaks the continuity. Now, we see, being that the continuity is broken, then the lifeline was broken. Also, the timeline was broken. The covenant was broken. Everything shattered. What caused it? A woman. That's what broke the covenant. Now, if you want to read that, you can read it. Genesis 3. Now, it was then man was made to rule over the woman by God's word. She was no more co-equal with him. She was co-equal in nature, you know. But when she broke God's word, God made a man to be a ruler over her. Amen. Genesis 3.16, if you want to put it down. She was no more equal with the man. She was a breaker of God's word. Don't you see she, she, the church down here? The breaker of God's Word that throwed her completely out of continuity. And that's what the church has done and thrown spiritual death upon the whole thing. Now you'll understand why I hammered these things like I do. It's truth. This is Bible facts. Notice. Why did she do such a thing as this? How could that lovely, beautiful, perfect woman? I've seen a picture one time, I believe it was in Greece, of an artist that painted a picture of Eve. She was the most hard-looking thing I've ever seen. That shows what a carnal mind can look at. But she wasn't. She was beautiful. 
because she's perfect woman, all woman. Notice, why did she do such a thing being in that high order? She was right with man, co-equal with him. But we all know now that she lost her co-equalness with man when she sinned. And God said, man will be your ruler from here out. Amen. Now, that's the Scripture. If you want to, we can read it. I'm giving you the Scripture, so save time for this big hookup across the country that you might read it yourself. Notice the reason she did that. How did Satan ever get to her? Did you know Satan was co-equal with God one day? Sure was. All but a creator. He was everything. Stood at the right hand of God in the heavens, a great leading cherubim. Notice, the reason that she did this, she was not in the original creation. She is not in God's original creation. She is a byproduct. Therefore, at the beginning, as Jesus referred to it, she was not a original creative being of God. She's a byproduct of a man. When Jesus referred to the beginning. Remember, Adam was both masculine and feminine in the original creation, one. But then he was separated by a rib. Notice, but a byproduct, and notice the only one of all God's creation of every animal and anything else, she was the only one designed this way. Every other female was in the original creation. Every other female was in the original creation. But Eve was not in the original creation. See, that had to be made that way. We'll get to it after a while. Notice in this creation she was in, not in the original, but a byproduct. And in this creation, there is... Now, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I want to tell you the truth, and you just sit still, you're doing nice. There is nothing designed to be so deceitful as a woman. It's deceitful. There cannot be nothing else. There's nothing made to be that way. Also... There is nothing that can be so easily deceived as a woman. Amen. Now, the fall proves this statement to be true. Amen. The fall in the beginning. She was not in the original beginning creation. She was in Adam, but not in a female set herself at the beginning. She was a byproduct made. Now there's nothing designed that can deceive and be deceived as easy as a woman. 
There is nothing designed or can stoop as low as a woman can. Think now. There's nothing designed in all creation that can stoop as low as a woman can. She can tear a man's heart to pieces easier than anything else there is in the world. Is his wife. Let it, that nice little wife get to run around some other man. Look at that fellow sitting there with his children and tears dropping out of his eyes. She is designed that way. She is designed to do this. There is no hog, no dog, or no other animal designed like her or can stoop as low as she can stoop. Now, that is true. Yes. With regards to my sisters, I just want you to watch. No animal can be immoral. You call the dog a slut, the female dog. You call the male hog a sow. But her morals is a million miles beyond many Hollywood stars. That's how low she's designed to stoop. She can't... Just think of this now. There's nothing in the world made in God's creation that can be immoral. Stoop that low. You say, wait a minute, man. We're going to get to that. The woman has to say yes. Notice. There's nothing designed to stoop so low or be filthy but a woman. A dog can't do it. A hog can't do it. A bird can't do it. No animal is immoral, nor it can be. For it is not designed so it can be. A female hog can't be immoral. A female dog can't be immoral. A female bird can't be immoral. A woman is the only thing can do it. I see where Satan went. See? But still, she has, she's one has got the power to say yes or no. See? Depends on where she wants to hold herself. See? Now, here we can see plainly the serpent seed where it come in. Yes. There's only one place he could go to. Amen. That wouldn't nail it down. Somebody's blind. That's right. It had to go to that. Notice, the reason that animals couldn't do it, a female animal, they were in the original creation. But the woman was not in that original creation. Now we're going back to dig this up and I bring it right down to the modern day in the Testament. She is designed alone for filth and unclean living. A dog can. No other female can. It's just the woman that can. A dog or any other animals wants to hear in that for her babies. Not for sexual pleasure, but for her babies. The old saw hog, the old slut dog wants to hear one moment. That's for her babies. But a woman is designed for any time she desires. 
I've got some stuff crossed out here now. You can imagine the rest. A dog can't. woman can. I hope that the Holy Spirit reveals you the rest of this I crossed out here. She is the only species, species of female that is made prettier than the male. There's not another species among anything. All other creatures of God is beautiful males, such as in animals, birds, and so forth. Always the male is pretty. Look at the big buck deer, big fine horns, great species, and the little humble doe. Look at the big rooster with all his pretty feathers and the little brown hen. Look at the birds, the cock and the hen. Why? Why was it such of all the creatures of God? Every creature in the male is the prettiest. Between the sheep, between the, the hogs, between the horses, between anything else, it's always the big male that's pretty. And in the birds. But in the human race, it's the woman that's pretty. Not the man. If he is, he's something wrong. He's crossed up seed somewhere. Amen. Originally it's that way. Why? Why was it done? To deceive by. Her designer, Satan, is still working on her too. In these last days. Let me stop here just for a moment. Pretty. Did you know at the first destruction internationally of the world or worldwide was because of pretty women? When the sons of God saw the daughters of man were fair, they taken unto them women. Is that right? Have you noticed the increase of beauty of women in this day. I have seen the picture of Pearl Bryant, which is supposed to be the prettiest woman in the nation at one time. There isn't a teenage girl in this school, but what would outshadow her when it comes to beauty? The increase of the beauty of women is showing the time of deception. When did the church look any more prettier than it does today? <laughs> Everything is featuring great big fine buildings and millions of this and millions of that. Don't you see? See the deception. Now, there's nothing can stoop like her. And she is designed so that she can be deceiving. And Satan is really working on her today in these last days. Because he is her designer. I can prove that now to go right back at the beginning. Who started to work on her? Adam or Satan? God or Satan? See? That's her designer. It's her chief weapon to throw man to her filth. Being a pretty woman, she can sway a man any way she wants to. Brother, it ain't the bootleg joint down here gets a man. It's a pretty woman walking down the street twisting herself half-dressed. That's what takes... That's the deceiver. 
right there. And she's deadly with it. Absolutely deadly. You may question me about Satan being her designer. But that's the truth. Satan designed her. He still does it. Let me show you something in the Scripture. I've got to take it back to Scripture and you draw your opinion as you look at it today. Satan is the one who features that kind of beauty. If we'll notice, he was the most beautiful of all the angels in heaven. Is that right? Yes. And he desired to make heaven a more beautiful place than the kingdom of Michael. Is that right? Also, to show that Cain was his son, he offered a more beautiful worship, decorated his altars with fruits and flowers and so forth. Is that right? Beautiful. Sin is beautiful. What we call beauty today. And sin is deceiving by beauty. You never look at a woman going down the street and tell what's in her heart. See? But I want to say these things so that you can see why that Satan is her designer. It's exactly right. His own son proved it. Cain. Now, she's beautiful so she can deceive. The world is beautiful so it can deceive. I mean cosmos, the order of the world. It's beautiful so it can deceive great, fine places and luxury. Remember the prophet Amos when he come up over and looked down into the city and seen it like a modern Hollywood. His little eyes got little under that gray hair hanging in his face. And he walked down there with a message and burst out on that place. He said, the very God that you claim to serve will destroy you. Right. Sin. It's pretty. They picture Judas as some old drunken shot out here on the street somewhere, mouth hanging with flies in it and so forth. And Judas, Judas was handsome. Strong. The deceiver. It ain't that guy to watch around you. It ain't a guy that the old farmer come in with a pair of overhauls on to watch around your wife. It's that slicker. He's the rascal. Sin is beautiful to the eyes of the world. But God is not featured in that kind of beauty. Do you know that? God is featured in character. Beautiful character. In the Bible, Isaiah 53, if you want to put the Scripture. I've got rolls of Scripture wrote on the side here for it. Isaiah 53, the Bible said of our Lord Jesus that there was no beauty that we should desire Him. And we hid as it was our faces from Him. Is that right? We didn't desire Him because He wasn't pretty. He's probably a little fellow, stoop-shouldered, ruddy-looking. And he wasn't desirable to be a leader. He didn't look like a leader. Talk with common street talk and so forth like the people does, the common people. So therefore, he didn't look like he's any great scholar, educated, fine, all robed up and everything. He was just an ordinary man. There was no beauty of him that we should desire him. He walked in and out of man right along. They didn't even know who he was. He didn't look like a God walking along, 
what we'd think was a God, but the same he was. Did you notice when the Lord God said to, to Samuel, go up to the house of Jesse and anoint one of his sons king to take Saul's place. Now the people chose Saul when Samuel absolutely told him not to do it. He said, God don't want you to have a king. He's your king. And said, have I ever said anything to you in the name of the Lord, but what come to pass? Have I ever begged you for money or something other from a living? They said, no, you never begged us for money. And whatever you said in the name of the Lord, it come to pass, but we want the king anyhow. So they chose Saul. Look what the world chose. Look what Israel chose. Israel. God's anointed. They chose a man that was head and shoulders above any man in the nation. Great, big, fine, handsome-looking fella. And he always was a fly in the ointment. But God said, I'm going to choose you a king to my choosing. So he said, Samuel, I ain't going to tell you who he is, but you go up. There's one of Jesse's sons. Jesse, his wife and all of them looked around and said, yes, our oldest son. He's a great, tall, handsome man. He'll look just right for the king's crown. He's smart. He's educated. He's a fine man. I know he'll be just right. He speaks his word proper. When they brought him out, Samuel took the crucible oil and went towards him. He said, no, the Lord refused him. So he went all the way down to six sons, and the Lord refused every one of them. He said, isn't there another one? Oh, he said, yes, there's one. He's back out there herding the sheep. He just sits back there and plays songs and sings it and shouts and goes on. But he's a little old stoop-shouldered, ruddy-looking guy. He would never make a king. He said, go get him. And while David come in the sight of the prophet, the prophet run with the oil and poured it up on his head and said, this is God's chosen. Not pretty, but character. God looks at character. Man looks at natural beauty. It's deceiving. That's why a woman was given that beauty for deception, to deceive. A beautiful woman, if she don't use it in the right way, it's a curse to her. That'll send her to hell quicker than anything else I know of. If she just, if she can be pretty sure, as long as she stays with her husband and does what's right and that, that's fine and dandy. But she can take that same thing and my, how she can deceive with it. For it was given to her to do so. Notice. Now, but God is featured in character. There was no beauty we should desire Jesus, but there never was a character like him on the earth. Now, we find out today that uh, that church character, Satan and his group look after big, beautiful churches, beautiful things. That's what the world looks at today. Oh, it's a pastor, the great so-and-so times, so-and-so, so priestly and godly walking out in these big robes and things like that. They call that beauty. But the real saints of God looks for the character of the vindicated word. That's what the saints did in that day when they seen Jesus. 
He was nothing to look at, but they seen God was in him. They seen God was with him. That's how that those uh, Joab and those characters with David, a little old fellow, but they seen the, the man was in him. They seen that God was in him, and they knowed he was coming into power someday. They once slew them with the five brothers of Goliath. Single-handed, one killed 300 men. One some women was picking some beans for dinner. And the army had gone away, and he took a spear and killed 300 men. Philistines. Character. Why? They stayed right by David. They know the anointing was upon him. And they know he was coming into power. A pure picture of the church today that will stand by the Word. We know it's going to be made vindicated. We know it's coming into power someday. Although Saul, he was a fugitive from the rest of the nations. But they know he was coming into power. We know he's coming into power too. So we take that word and stand right there. No matter what it costs. We have to cut Philistines or jump in a pit and kill a lion as one did. We go anyhow. Because it's so... That's the way God designed it to be. We look for character. You may now ask me, why did he permit her to be designed thus? I don't want to take too much time because I've got a lot more to say here. Why? The question might arise then, why did God make this woman like this? Why did he permit her to be like that? It was for his own good pleasure. Sure. Now, if you want to turn in your Bible just a minute, let's turn to Romans 9 just a minute and show you something how God does these things. If you want to, to read it. And we can see here what God does for his own good pleasure. A Romans 9, 14. Then what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness before God when he chose Esau or chose Jacob and rejected Esau before either boy could have a right to make a choice himself? Neither one of them before they was born still in the womb of the mother. God said, I hate Esau and I love Jacob. Why? For he said unto Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not him that willeth nor him that runneth, but it's God that showeth mercy. For the Scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore he, now watch here, for he a mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. Thou wilt say unto me, uh, why then does he find fault? For who has resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that rileth against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me this? Has not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel to honor and the other to dishonor? What if God willing to show his wrath and to make his power known endures such long sufferings, the vessel of wrath fitted to destructions, that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessel of mercy, which he has afore prepared unto glory. Now, are you that a while? God did it. 
He had to make it this way. It had to be there. Now listen. Now for about five minutes, I want to call your attention to something. What is God? God is a great eternal. At the beginning, way back before there was a beginning, He wasn't even God. Did you know that? God's an object of worship and there was nothing to worship Him. He lived alone. And in Him was attributes. What is an attribute? A thought. Now you'll get something that'll border on the lesson for tonight. Notice, He was His attributes that was in Him. Now it was in Him to be Father. It was in Him to be God. It was in Him to be Son. It was in Him to be Savior. It was in Him to be Healer. And all these things here are just displaying His attributes. There's nothing out of order. You think God didn't see the end from the beginning? Certainly He did. There's nothing out of order, just displaying His attributes. Now, He could not be just and make a man to fall. He had to put him on equal basis of free moral agency to make his own choice, but knowing he would fall. Now, he can't be a savior unless something's lost. He can't be a healer unless something's sick. These things had to be that way. God made him thus so that his great attributes could be displayed. If there wasn't, he'd never been a savior, but we know he was, even before there was a time, he was a savior. He was a savior. So there has to be something lost. How is it going to be? If he takes and loses it just in order to save it, then it isn't justice to his judgment. He couldn't send a man to hell and be just. He's kind, gentle, true, honest. And he's a great judge. See, he'd be working against himself. So he had to put a man out here and make him on free moral agency so he would, knowing, would fall. And the man in his own image, how could he fall? <laughs> now you see in daylight? So he had to make a byproduct. Something out of the original creation. Now you see it, see? There you come. Then that's what fell. He made it knowing it would fall. And he's put over the hands of Satan for a vessel of dishonor. Where's honor bestowed today? You think on that. Notice. Closely now. Then again, why she was designed this way and not like other females? Why was the woman designed so and not other females? No, the other females are designed like that. They're not today. They can't. Not be made that way. She can't do it. Why did he not make this female then, a woman, just like other females, so she'd just be the same way? Could just raise her babies. Then she'd have her husband live, and when it come time for a baby, she'd have her baby. Why, why do you make her like this? I can't say these words, and you understand what I'm talking about, don't you? If you can understand, say amen. amen. You know, see? Uh, it's young girls sitting here and young boys. Eh? But you know, the animal has to come to a certain time of the year, then her mate, then that's all. But a woman is any time. 
He wanted to make her like this. Now watch his great program unfold as we go on through here now. Just as perfect as perfect can be. I didn't know this the other day. Why didn't he make her like that in the beginning like the rest of his females? Because it would be unbecoming to him. He's the fountain of all purity. That's the reason he had to let Satan get a hold of her. What he done in the perversion. Such a creature would be, would not be uh, becoming to him. Originally designed for. All his works that he designed in the original is in continuity. All of his original works is in continuity. The female dog, the male dog. See, female cow, the male cow. Everything in continuity. All nature is in continuity. Seed die, go in the ground. It's like death, burial, resurrection. The sap goes down out of a tree, drops its leaf, comes back next year with the resurrection of a new leaf. See what I mean? Everything, even nature of God, is all in a continuity in one. And here's one design out of the continuity of God. Nature's so designed so it can't sin. Think. The original creation of God could not sin. Oh, don't you see now in this view here, the perversion of the church? The original is God's Word. There's no sin in God. See what I mean? Here's a creature that come into existence by perversion. God's going to have a church, but look at this perverted thing they got out here. God has male and female, but this woman, see the very symptoms of it, shows back what was in God's mind. We could take an hour or two and break that down. She made this creature for that way. He made the creature and turned so Satan could get a hold of her, and he did. He still got her. She better flee to the cross, like man too. Notice, all nature runs in continuity. If he had made the woman in the same original creation, there'd have been no sin. Because she couldn't have done it. Amen. Amen. She couldn't have done it. Right. She is a perversion of the original creation. So is all sin a perversion of the original truth. What is a lie? Is the truth perverted? What is an adultery? Is the right act perverted? So there is a perverted creature. There is a perverted whole thing. And the whole thing is spelled S-I-N. Laying right there. That's why the question's so great. Only a piece scrap made of a man to deceive him by. God made it right here. She's proved it. That's what she's made for. An immoral woman is the lowest thing that can be thought of in the earth. Excuse this, young ladies. She's nothing but a human garbage can. A sex exposure. That's all she is, an immoral woman. Is a human sexual garbage can of pollution. We're filthy, dirty, ornery, low down, filth is disposed by her. What she made this way for? For deception. 
Every sin that ever was on the earth was caused by a woman. And English just from Chicago, a, a woman wrote this article to the police force that they chased down in United States, metropolitan United States, that 98% of every crime that was ever did in any form in the United States, there was either a woman in it or behind it. Now, I'm saying all this to get to one thing here at the end so that you can see what's the matter. She was made to deceive like she did Adam at the beginning, tell him that the fruit was pleasant and so forth, to deceive him and take him away from the Word. That's the way the church does today. Same thing. But then, after that, he become her ruler, to rule over. Now, what a difference in this day, in this day of conception, instead of him being her ruler, she has become his God. Sure. She rules him. Now you can probably well understand what I've been hitting at. By her beauty and her sex control, her shape, what was given to her by Satan, the byproduct that Satan did, she is sent to deceive sons of God and she can sway more of them to hell than any other instrument Satan's got. Exactly right. I'm talking of the immoral now, not you sisters. We'll give you your place, right place in a few minutes in the Word of God here. It was in God's plan from the beginning. Now, to do this today, what is the God of the United States? You remember the tabernacle years ago I preached on that? The God of this modern day, a little flapper sitting there with makeup on and dress pulled up over her knees and things like that. I said, behold your God. And that's right. She's on every advertisement, half naked. She's on the street the same way. It's an instrument of Satan. From the beginning, Jesus said. We see with the soul now and from the beginning and what he's talking about. Now, the heathens used to make her a god. Did you know that? A goddess? Sure it did. They make her a goddess. For they did have sex acts in their worship. They claimed that she was a creator in her womb. She carried the seed and created. That's a lie. There's only one creator. That's God. But you remember Paul there, Diana of Ephesus, an image of a rock, said the goddess of heaven throw down us to see how heathen worship is. And we, not knowing it, turns right straight back to heathen worship again, to women, the very lowest creature on the earth. Woman worship. She'll sway men any way she wants to. And not knowing all that beauty on the outside, it hell's on the inside. Solomon said her, her gates is a gates to hell. Now, we see plainly here what Jesus spoke of in the Revelations, the second chapter and the 15th verse of the Nicolaitan doctrine, the oncoming of that church, pulling itself away from the Word. Also, we can see here plainly these vulgar, ungodly, filthy programs that we have on television of Hollywood sex queens. We can see the filth of this city as these kids, little old girls walking up and down the street here with little bit of tight clothes twisted around and it cold enough to freeze them to death. They don't know that that's the devil doing that. They are possessed of an evil spirit and don't know it. 
You don't see a female dog doing that, do you? You don't see any other female doing that. And no male better walk up to her either. See? Now, you get the picture? We'll introduce something just in a moment, the Lord willing. Now, you see the Nicolaitans. You see their doctrine. You see the teenage queens, they call them. These stripteases out on the street used to have to go to some vulgar show on the side to see a striptease. Just open your eyes and look out on the street. That's all you have to do now. The whole thing's a striptease. What do they do it for? To tantalize, tempt. That's the only thing she can do it for. She does it because she's filthy. She does it because she's made that way. She don't realize that she's an instrument in the hands of Satan. That's what she is. Even in our schools today, they're teaching sex acts. Our rotten world of woman worship. I know they don't want to believe that stand and sing some kind of hymn and so forth on one day and out with women running around all night long. See? All right. When in God's sight, the Word, she is the lowest of all animals that God put on the earth. Watch. That's why God forbids her to teach His Word. That's right. First Timothy 2, 9 to 15. I suffer not a woman to teach her to have any. And also 1 Corinthians 14, 34. Let your women keep silent in the churches, first not permitted to them to speak. For they are commanded to be inside. Also saith the law. But today, what does the church do? They make her pastors evangelists. When the Bible completely forbids it. And the Bible said, as also saith the law, making it run in continuity. The whole thing is like the Lamb was last night. It's the only place of worship. Or the shed blood of the Lamb. It's the only place today in Christ. only way to do is come into Him. That's the only place to worship. It always was that way. The only place to worship is under the shed blood. So now, we see the whole picture of it unfolding to us. There she is. That's why God won't let her teach. Won't let her do anything in the church but to sit still with a veiled face. Now, can you see... Why I have said the things and done the things that I have done? Knowing all this in my heart, brethren, sisters, I know sisters. I'm, you got your place just a moment and a wonderful character that God can mold in you. But I'm just trying to speak on the other side to show what you're actually from the beginning. Jesus told us to go back to the beginning to find it. That's what we're doing. Now, I've had to hit the high points on a lot of this, and I hope you understand it. And you people who will be listening to this tape. I hope you understand. Just go back. It's only to show that Jesus said, go back from the beginning and find out. All things go back to the beginning. You can see today why people, they say, I'm a woman hater. That's far from the truth. I do not. They call a woman hater. Remember, they call Paul a woman hater. A woman minister not long ago said, oh, you're like old Paul. All he had to do is pick on us women. A saint of God. That was permitted to write the Bible, the New Testament. 
and dispute his words. He said, if an angel from heaven teaches any other thing in this, and I've said, let him be accursed. Let alone some woman preacher. They said Elijah was a woman hater. He wasn't a woman hater of real women. He just didn't like them Jezebels. And if that be so, then must be God must be the same way because He is the Word which come to the prophets. <laughs> so it must be God the same way. So see, He knows original creation from the beginning, He said. From the beginning. They were prophets who the Word came to. And He made her for man and not man for her. Did you know that? That woman was made for man and not man for woman. How many knows that? The Bible teaches that? All right. She was given a place in man before the fall equal over all creation. But after the fall. Now, here we bring the subject up. But after the fall, he was her ruler. She must keep silent in all matters. Now, after the original beginning is over, Jesus said it wasn't so from the beginning. That's when time began. When God made it first in His original creation. All to understand? Say amen again. In the beginning, God created just one male and one female. But then the woman was made different from the animals, all other animals, for deception. Now watch. Now, it wasn't so from the beginning. She was made, if she'd stayed in original condition, she would have never been no fall. But she caused the fall and the interruption that broke the whole continuity of God and throwed death, sorrow, and everything else on the earth. She had made thus. Now, notice. Now, after the beginning, after the beginning, after time began, back in there was eternity, is over. Notice, after that fall was made by Eve after the fall, there was need to be another covenant made. Now, this is going to stumble you. But I'm going to give you the Scripture to prove it. That this is the truth. Now, notice, after the fall, Jesus said, God, at the beginning, made one of a kind. But now, after the fall, now we're going beyond that. The covenant was co-equal. But now, after the fall, there's another covenant made. Now, she was no longer ruler with him. Each must have a separate covenant. Now, let's see if that's right. Let's take Genesis 3 and find out if this is right. Now, as we go along, because... We want to be positive that these things, they're taught out, brought out, exactly true, so that maybe right here we have a little time, because we're not too far from the end now, to get to the closing part of the subject, to show why and what about divorces and so forth. Now, in Genesis, the third chapter, and we will begin uh, now with the third and the sixteenth verse. Let's begin at the fourteenth verse. And the Lord said unto the serpent, I was going to curse it. Because thou hast, thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all the cattle, above every beast of the field, and upon thy belly thou shalt go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity 
between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and the woman's seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel, the promising, coming through the woman, the Messiah, to redeem. Unto the woman, he said. Now look, now there's the covenant with the serpent, which they were all, all right before him at the beginning, or before the beginning. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrows and thy conception, and in sorrow shall thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Not no more co-equal together at all. Now she's turned right around. She's the ruler. And unto Adam, he said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat it. Cursed be the ground. Now, cursed Adam now. Cursed be the ground. For thy sake and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat the herbs of the field. And in sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou returns to the ground. For out of it, out of it was thou taken... For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Two covenants. Now, that closes the beginning of what Jesus said. It wasn't so at the beginning. We got another covenant now. Notice. It's another covenant. Now, there's a covenant for the product and a, the byproduct. Notice, the fall brought trouble, death to every creature of the creation, making a difference in all nature. Now let us notice what Jesus said about from the beginning. It wasn't so. Now it is not so from, it is now, it is after the beginning. Now there's a double covenant. First was just a covenant. Adam and Eve was co-equal. One man, one woman. Now the woman sinned. What did she do? That drove them all to death, and God had to make a covenant by that, another covenant. Here it is right here in Genesis 3.16. He made another covenant. Now the world is to be repopulated, not by the original creation of God like in the beginning, not by the original creation but by sex desire. Ah, that takes care of the beginning, doesn't it? In the beginning, there's only one man and one woman. One male, one female. But when she crossed that line and brought this sin, now the world's to be repopulated again by sex. Not by creation. By sex. See where the woman's at now? Now, but that's the way the world's populated today through women. That's the reason Jesus had to come through the woman to bring it back to its original beginning again. Without sex desire. He's virgin born. But hallelujah, there will come a time where it won't be no more sex. But God shall call His children from the dust of the earth. 
back like it was in the original, not to any woman, but through the molding of the clay and the cosmic lights and the petroleum, he'll create again like he did Adam at the first time. Jesus made this possible by God making himself a man and coming to the world so he could die through this woman. Now is testing time by sin. Now, you see, then after the beginning, it was something else was introduced. Now, this is going to shock you. Are you tired? No. Just sit still just a little longer. Then when the double covenant was made by man and woman through sex, another covenant altogether, not the original covenant, but another covenant. Now what's introduced? Polygamy. And all. Then after the beginning, polygamy was introduced. Both in man and in beast. After the beginning. The fall. God now secondarily sets a new nature again by sex. God created the first without sex. Do you believe that? Now it's another covenant with nature. He sets it in another order by sex. Second covenant. One male, many females. One buck, deer, a whole harem of does. Is that right? One bull... A whole herd of cattle, cows, one rooster, a yard full of hens. Is that right? One David after his own heart with five hundred wives, with a hundred children born to him in one year of different women. A man after God's own heart. One Solomon with a thousand wives. But notice now, it wasn't so at the beginning. But now, it's actually the beginning. The woman's done this. Then she just becomes what she is now. See? David, the king which represented Christ. Hold that in your mind. David represented Christ. You believe that? Christ is sitting going to sit on his throne. And this David, a man after God's own heart, had 500 wives. Do you know what I mean? David with his 500 wives. Solomon with his thousand. And Solomon is the son of David in the natural, which represents Jesus Christ, the son of David in the spiritual. But that's natural sex life. This is going to be spiritual created. Why? Created. Amen. Mm-hmm. That's the way it was at the beginning. But not now in this life we live in now. Notice. Don't fail this now. Take it all down in your hearts. But not one of those women could even have one more husband. Amen. Amen. He's original creation, not her. Amen. Not one of those women could have one more husband. But that one husband could have a thousand wives. That's thus saith the Lord. That's the Bible. Now, I've went back, took my time, and showed you back under what started what Jesus said. 
Now do you see it clearly? This evening's episode is titled Marriage and Divorce. It will be focused on the study of Deuteronomy chapter 24 and 25. Before we go any further, we'll begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, it's amazing to study your word and go back to the beginning and see how you originally intended for us to be and to see how men entering into your permissive will sinned and fell short of the glory of God. Father, help us find the way back to that original creation that you intended for us to be, which is the bridge of the blood of Jesus Christ that bridges the gap between a holy and eternal God who is sinless and a sinful mortal man. Father, be merciful to us this morning, this evening. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you. Love like yours only comes from above